0: in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 this morning. If you wanna go ahead and start flipping to that uh, area of your Bible, um, starting in in verse seven, but we are in what has been called the fool's speech of Paul as he's writing this this letter to the church in Corinth. And we're we're still in part of the introduction to it. We'll be working our way through it over the coming weeks. Um, But if you don't know why it's called the fool's speech, it will become apparent. (laughs) Um, exactly why it's called a fool's speech, because he refers to himself as being foolish, you know, and, and permit me to, to be by chance foolish. You see, the church in Corinth was struggling with some foolishness. They were struggling with the wisdom of discerning who were the true from the false apostles, what the real message was, and who the right people to, to trust and listen to were. And as I was looking at this, this message this week, I, I was thinking of you know th- this wisdom required to, to figure out who the right person is. And, and we'll see that as we walk through our passage today, but it reminded me of the wisdom of Solomon. That in 1 Kings 3, and God asked him, what, would you, what do you want? <laughs> and he says, I want an understanding mind to govern your people. I want wisdom to lead the masses that you have entrusted me with. And the very first decision, at least that's put in scripture after he has granted this wisdom is a really hard call. And it involves trying to decipher who the right mom is. Because you see, he's he's sitting down and, and two women come in and the first one says, me and this woman have had children three days apart. And in the middle of the night, her child died. But while I was sleeping, she switched the babies on me. And when I woke up, I had a dead child beside me. But when I looked closer, it wasn't my child. And so they've come to Solomon. She begs for Solomon to do something about this. This woman has stolen her child, according to her. But the other woman doesn't agree. The other woman says, no, 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 this isn't true. That woman's, that woman's son died. It's not my fault. This is my child. You should not take my child from me just because she's made up this story. And Solomon is listening to these two women share and he, he recaps it a little bit. This woman says, this is my child's a living child. This woman says that her, my child is the living child. And then he says something that seems strange. He says, bring me a sword. Now, I don't know, in my mind, Solomon's voice just bring me a sword or something like that. it would be kind of disappointed if it was, bring me a sword. You know, or, I mean, that would just be, I don't know, just not, not right in my head. But bring me a sword. And they bring in a sword. It says, all right, you say this, you say that. You know what, we'll do this. Divide the child in half and give half of the child to her and half of the child to her. One woman in response to that says, no, 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 don't, don't kill the child, it's just, just, just let her have the child. The other woman says, that seems about right, I'll take my half, she can have hers. And that reaction is all Solomon needed to realize who the true mother was. Because the true mother was not the one saying, yeah, just cut the child in half and I'll take my half and go home. And yet it can be that difficult for us today and for the church in Corinth to decipher and discern who the true teacher was, who the true message is from. And we also will have to watch and look and ask some questions to figure out who to believe. So let's look to our passage today, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, reading verses seven through 15. I wanna read through it all. and one chunk here and then, and then we'll go back and we'll walk through it. So Second Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse seven. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted? Because I preached God's gospel to you free of charge. I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. And when I was with you and was in need, I did not burden anyone for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. And why? Because I don't love you? God knows that I do. And what I am doing, I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds." You can see maybe in just reading that through right now, there's kind of two sections here. That there's the, the first section where he's, he's talking about his, his working free of charge and addressing some of the concerns that were being raised about that. And then he looks directly towards the false teachers and addresses them. And so I wanna pull a couple, a couple truths out of this. As we look at this and say true or false, You know who is true, who is false, and some of the distinctions, the differences between the true and the false. First of all, devoted to money or people. You see, there was nothing wrong with these other teachers being compensated for their ministry. Paul says in in 1 Corinthians 9, that if we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? That 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 action, that compensation is not inherently wrong. So they they weren't wrong to do that. And yet, Paul not taking the compensation Him choosing to work free of charge was something that had stirred up some dissension, potentially some offense from those in the church, and the false teachers were using this against him. Now, we're all wired differently, and I'm sure many of us in the room have at some point said to someone who is a guest in our home, go ahead and make yourself at home. Some of us mean that more than others. Some of us say that out of duty. It's the right thing to say, and yet we're hoping that they don't really do that. For those of us on the receiving end, some of us are more staunchly independent and and others less so. Walking into someone's home and hearing, make yourself at home, might just stress you out because you don't know if they mean it, you don't know if they don't mean it, you don't know what to ask for, what to receive, what not to, It just just, is total mental overload. Others of you, you're in the fridge before they even said that, asking if there's mayonnaise for the sandwich you're making because you've already helped yourself to it, expecting and hoping that they're gonna say, make yourself at home. We're all wired a little different. I've had to learn over the years because I am more in that stay out of the fridge part. <laughs> I've had to learn and remind myself over the years that some people find it offensive to refuse something that you were offered in someone's home. And so, because I've, <laughs> I've been in a situation, my wife's done one of those elbows, just say yes. I'm sure you've been there. we were wired differently. Apparently there were some, at least in Corinth, who were wired in a way that they took offense. And whatever started maybe as a minor offense, we don't really know for sure, was then fanned into flame because at some point he was accused of not loving them because he wouldn't accept it from them this compensation that he could rightfully have taken. You see, but Paul was more interested in the people. Paul was willing to do without. You know, believe it or not, going into this weekend, it was not my plan and hope for my sake to watch Finding Dory at 6 (laughs) a.m. yesterday morning. That wasn't what I was wanting to do. I would have much rather watched football on a Saturday afternoon than Fancy Nancy or you know whatever else my daughters are begging to watch. Sometimes I, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Even though I love, love's too strong a word, even though I enjoy the Peaches song in the Mario movie, I'd still rather watch Manchester United play soccer than watch Mario again. We do things that aren't what we want. We do without things that we would like for the sake of others. We're actually even told to do that in Romans 14 by Paul, that we are meant to do without some of our freedoms at times for the sake of another. He says in Romans 14 20, do not for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. That yes, it is absolutely not immoral at all for you to eat meat for dinner tonight. But if there is someone that is a brother or sister in Christ, that thinks that is morally wrong. It is wrong of you to use that freedom and hurt them and possibly cause them to stumble. He uses food as an example, but it applies to the rest as well. There's a lot of things that we have freedom in Christ to do, but is not actually loving towards someone else to do it in front of them. That to defer to another, maybe even of of a weaker faith as he, describes in Romans 14 for them and not for us. And Paul was doing that here in Corinth. He was choosing to do without because he had a, a bigger reason in mind, a bigger purpose in mind, and it wasn't for money, it was for people. And on top of doing it the one time, he says, I'm gonna do it again. <laughs> if you look back at our, our, our verse here, you see, He says in verse 10, as the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. And he will refrain from burdening them again because he has a purpose in it. And so the second point, driven by status or faithfulness. Driven by status or faithfulness. You see, Paul has been made aware, before now at least, we don't know exactly when, but he's been made aware that his working free of charge is being used against him. It's being used to diminish his status amongst the church. So, being used as an attack against him. And he's left with a choice. Because he can play ball and adjust, maybe even apologize. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. Sure, give me money. He could have done that. He says, I'm not going to stop. You see, because even though the false teachers, for them, status and money, devotion to those things was paramount. And if they didn't get those things, then they had completely failed in their goals. For Paul, he had a different goal. For Paul, he was about people and about faithfulness, faithfulness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now he didn't have to choose that. Like we said, he he could have been compensated, but it's actually not the only time he does this. You can read in in 2 Thessalonians 3 that when he was with those people, he also chose not to be compensated. He chose to work instead. But he did it for a reason that he communicates in 2 Thessalonians 3. He does it because there were some idle busybodies among them and he wanted to lead by example. He wanted to walk away from that church, from that body of Christ, saying, follow and do what I did, not what they are doing. That's where the line, if they don't work, they don't eat, comes from. Because again, Paul was willing to do without for the sake of those he loved. Loving always involves a sacrifice. And he believed that his methods would reign supreme in the end. Verse 12, and what I am doing I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. Paul believed that not switching gears and playing ball that he believed that staying faithful to what he believed to be true originally and, and working free of charge, that eventually, even those who were using it against him might see the fact that it was actually a sign of his devotion to them, not a sign that he was some kind of false apostle. And that those who were false apostles that are demanding their compensation and unwilling to budge in that potentially, that they might be seen for who they truly are that they were not driven or devoted to people, they were devoted to money and they were not driven by faithfulness, they were driven by status, and maybe that'll shine through like the story that I shared at the beginning with wisdom, or with Solomon, his wisdom. But he switches gears here in verse 13. He switches gears and he he looks directly at these false apostles addresses them directly, and let's let's read back over that so we can remind ourselves of what he says here in verses 13 through 15. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Paul is referencing them, but not referencing them a little bit until he gets to this section here and he references them directly. Draws them equivalent with Satan. That just as Satan disguises himself as angel of light, they disguise themselves as well. He says something similar in 2 Timothy 3 when he describes the false teachers in Ephesus as having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. That they looked, they looked religious. They looked the part, at least in part. That some of the, the, the things in their lives, you know, they, were, they were in church all the time. Some of the things they said sounded good. They, they looked like the perfect family. Whatever, I mean, whatever they looked the part means in Ephesus, they looked the part for a little while. But the reality was that they were actually false teachers scheming for themselves and doing the work of Satan himself. He describes it like this in talking of those people in 2 Timothy 3. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. But they take advantage of the weak in faith, The ones who are burdened by prior sins or current sins that are looking for someone to tell them it's okay. That are looking for someone to tell them they deserve better. And saying the things that itching ears want to hear about themselves. Not that they are poor, wretched sinners in need of a savior, but that they can pull themselves up and they can make God happy if they'll just do better and he'll bless them. They were pretending to be true apostles. You know, today it's, it's really hard <laughs> with the way CGI, the computer graphics and everything work. And when you're watching a TV show or a movie in which they wanna play that game, is that person really who they are? It's gotten really difficult. It's gotten really difficult because it's not someone switching places anymore. It's not someone with the extra makeup on. I mean, it's, it's a completely computer generated person. As so you might have watched some TV shows, I've, I have some, uh, some recently where you're watching and you're trying to figure out who is this person because it might be them, but it might be the bad person in disguise but they look exactly like them, the eye color, all of it, the the voice. I mean, they they sound the part, they look the part. It it looks like the right real person until the other person turns around and they get stabbed. (laughs) And you find out, oh, no, it wasn't. But you're trying to figure out, you're trying to decipher, is this someone I trust, is this someone I don't trust? We're gonna spend some time in the Beyond the Notes uh, this week and, and talk about some basic things that we can look for and do to figure out, is this person that I found online trustworthy? Is this person I heard about someone that I should actually rely on for what their Bible teaching is? And so if that interests you, you can, uh, you can jump on that, that podcast with us this week. But how do these people disguise themselves is a, is a fitting question. What does this disguise look like? Just before this section, in the, in the verses we looked at last week, um, Paul talks about how he is not the, maybe the smoothest speaker compared to the false apostles. A false teacher doesn't make it very far unless they got some smoothness to them, some charisma to them. If they were a, a clunky speaker with lies, it's harder to make, make a profit. There's there's always some kind of smooth communication involved there, but it's also what they're communicating. And the thing we have to be most wary of these days is those near truths. Those things that sound like they should be true, they sound so good, they almost sound biblical. Until you walk the logic down the road and see how it's not. Things like, God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be happy sounds so good. Sounds so much like it should be out of the Psalms or Proverbs or 4th Timothy. It just has a great ring to it, right? Because who doesn't wanna be happy? But you start to believe that God wants you to be happy over and above other things. And what if you decide one day that, well, the only way that I can really be happy, to leave my wife, buy a sports car, and go live my life the way that I want to. I mean, God wants me to be happy after all. If my happiness is paramount, and that's what God desires of me, well, let's go for it. There's a lot of different, different phrases and things that go along essentially of the follow your heart, pursue your passions. Whatever boils inside of you, just go after that thing. Sounds great. In the right context, good advice. And yet those of us that have read the scriptures understand how deceiving our heart can be. And we may have a passion about one thing one day and a different passion the next day. And if we elevate those passions in our heart, above scripture and its truth, we find that to be false. How about you can slay your Goliaths? Oh, who doesn't wanna read a Bible story and imagine themselves as the hero, right? I mean, when you read the story of David and Goliath and you start to think, well, how does this apply to my life? Well, obviously I need to put myself into this story And I need to to imagine myself as one of these characters, right? I could be, no, no no one's picking Goliath. (laughs) I would, if you you have that video on YouTube, send it to me. I'd love to watch a video of someone teaching that with them being in Goliath's spot. No, the, the, the way that teaching normally goes is you're David. And if you believe like David believed, you can slay all the Goliaths in your life as well. Because after all, he's never gonna give you more than you can bear. Secondary lie. You're David. Just work harder. Just believe more. Just seek it more with everything you have, and it's gonna work out because God wants you to be happy. He wants you to pursue it. That's the message you'll find across YouTube. And yet, if we were to be any person in that story, as Matt Chandler has laid out on other YouTube videos, we would be the cowering Israelites, not wanting to go fight and die. Because the hero in our story is not us. The hero in our story is our Lord and Savior. And if anybody is David, it's Jesus. It's not you and me. How about you deserve better? Oh, don't you deserve better? Oh man, you and I, we're such good people. You haven't killed anybody this week. You wanted to run that person off the road, but you didn't. You only ate the one cookie. You deserve this. You deserve better. And yet we know from scripture that what we deserve is the wrath of God. One last one. Be true to yourself. Oh, be true to yourself. I see this on Instagram whenever I open Instagram. Some version of be the best you you can be, be true to yourself, your most important nonsense. because what be true to yourself means is you are God of your universe. Follow yourself. Deny everything else and follow you. Because it doesn't take that many questions after that to find out that be true to yourself almost always means embrace your sinfulness and pursue whatever passions you have and disregard scripture entirely. There's so many things that sound like they're almost true. They sound so good, but they're false teachings. They are false truths, but they sound good. Last point, destined for wrath or glory. Destined for wrath or glory. You see, the very last line in our passage today says that their end will correspond to their deeds. Their end will correspond to these de- to their deeds. The false teachers here have disguised themselves as servants of righteousness, but really acting more as servants of Satan. And their end will be fitting with that. They their end will not be glory in heaven with Christ. Their end will be the wrath of God. especially if these false teachers he's speaking here are ones who are preaching some kind of legalistic, law-based works righteousness, the end for them will be exactly what any works-based righteousness results in, which is the realization that you don't get to stand before God one day and say, Nuh-uh, I'm a good person. When the books are opened, and your sins are laid bare. And only those who get to spend eternity with God are those to whom Christ says, they're with me. I've paid for those sins. Those trying to earn it themselves don't get to argue with God and argue their point and win. But you see, here's the thing. That end is exactly what we all deserve. That end, the same end that these false teachers are going to meet, that they're gonna to have to pay for their sins themselves. That's what we deserve. We have sinned against the eternal, holy God. And what we truly deserve, if he, was, if he left it to us, would be separation from him for eternity in a real place called hell. But while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's why Paul fought these false teachers so hard. Because while he was a true servant of righteousness, they're preaching the true saving gospel, the only truth that gave them any hope from the penalty of their sins. These elders were sneaking in, taking advantage and deceiving people with things that sounded good, but led to darkness. I don't know where you are today, whether you've been believing in the false teachings or believing in the truth. My hope and prayer for anyone in this room who did not walk into this place as a a Christian, as someone who has repented and believed in Jesus Christ for salvation, that you don't leave this place without doing that. I and others will be available down front after service. We'd love to talk with you about that. For those of you who did come into this room and are sitting in this room having professed Christ, knowing where you're gonna spend eternity and yet you're going to walk out of this place and be bombarded with lie after lie after lie from smooth-talking, good-looking heretics. Let us pray for wisdom. Let us pray that God will enable us to ever more greatly be able to test and approve what his will is because we are always renewing our mind with the truth that's in here so that we can test what we hear against what he has said. And when we hear one of those things that sounds true but is really a lie, we may notice it and call it out by name. May that be our prayer today.